0: I normally don't have that kind of clout. I'm Karen, a compulsive overeater. And um, we may need to close the doors as it gets noisier. There we go. Welcome to the hundred-pound emphasis workshop meeting. My name is Karen. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Good morning, everybody. Please join me in the Serenity Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom, the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure. This session is being taped. All participants are required to sign the release form. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on their recovery in the OA program only. An ask it basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of this session it's this decorated basket here and we'd like to keep it circulating so if you see it sitting just keep moving it forward please if there is any press in this room please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures using a video camera or using our full names the format for the session is as follows three speakers will share for 20 minutes each followed by questions and answers. An Ask It Basket will be passed around. Please place your questions in the box for our panelists. The topic for the session is 100 pounds emphasis. Our first speaker is Ifa Funke. Our second speaker is Joe. Our third speaker is Andrea. And let's go ahead and welcome Aoife Funke.
1: Good morning, everyone. My name is Ifa Funke. I'm a compulsive Reader. I have a few photos here to share. Unfortunately, they are not in a nice little photo album, but maybe I can hand them to you. So, 100-pounders. You know, um, I think about my body weight a lot and my body image, but it's not something that... When I was asked to share here, I was like, what am I going to say? What am I going to talk about? I, I really don't know. So I, I'm just going to share my experience, strength, and hope and what it's been like. So an important part of my story is growing up in a kind of a nurturing household. Um, I grew up with drug addicts and alcoholics and essentially raised myself. So that was very difficult and I can't say I was born a compulsible reader, but it started very quickly because I didn't have the tools, and I wasn't taught how to deal with my feelings or how to cope, and food is like heroin for a one-year-old. It lets you just check out and not feel your feelings, which is something I wasn't taught in my household. So um, I've always been heavy, and it probably got worse around high school. My primary caretaker situations at home just got a whole lot worse. More more drugs, more alcohol, more being by myself, a lot of institutionalizations. And I started working at McDonald's. What a bad idea. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. I just I I was thinking this morning of what my food was like and I used to take food home every night after a shift and wake up eating burgers in the morning. And that was totally normal. That's what my compulsive eating is like. It's very elusive. It's very vague. It's just like second nature, something I'm doing. I'm just always eating. I'm not aware of it. It's like breathing. And um, in college, it 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 got pretty bad, too, because I was an RA. And you you get an unlimited expense account for food. And in college, I probably gained about 80 pounds in the first probably, in the whole four years there. So that's, that's a lot of weight. But I don't know, I'll get into it a little bit more. My weight loss has probably been about 150 pounds. And the most in, the funniest thing about losing 150 pounds is, like, you're still, you still have to deal with life. And I was reading, um, can you hand me that book right there? Yeah. This book right here. And... It says um, July 24th in the Voices of Recovery, a daily reader. It is important to bear in mind that knowledge about ourselves and our nutritional needs is useless without the kind of help we find in OA because we remain powerless to apply it. I have to remind myself of this every day. It is easy to see OA as another way of losing weight, a means of learning more tricks. My sponsoring, when I sponsor people, I also need to find a balance, a focus on what they have learned that day about themselves, food and nutrition, and a focus on how a power greater than themselves is helping them get well. It's about reminding myself that this is a threefold program, physical, emotional, and spiritual. So the physical part, you know, I've lost weight, but the emotional and spiritual part come, come up every day, all day sometimes. Sometimes. And OA really, for me, it's not a weight loss program. It's about, weight is a symptom. It's a really big symptom. It's about learning to deal with life on life's terms, and you learn to do that through the steps. So a little bit more about my experience. I've been in program for about eight years, and for the five, first five years, I just come, sit in the room for about an hour, listen jet out of the room once people stopped talking, and it, it would apply for, for, to me a little bit. And i get a little bit of reprieve for 30 minutes a day if I was lucky from just hearing the wisdom that you all had to share in the rooms. But it didn't really apply to me. I was terminally, like, unique. You, pe- pe- OA people didn't really understand me. I used to think it was like a special cult that I really couldn't be in. And, and now that I have a little bit more um, reprieve from overeating. I see that that was just my fear of people. So I guess one day God just st- struck me with the willingness. There's this thing in the East Bay called AWOL, a way of life, and it's a 12-step intensive program where people in OA meet for probably three to four months, and we study step by step when we discuss it. And part of the requirements for being in that AWOL is that you get a sponsor, and, you know, for the first five years, sponsorship didn't apply to me, a food a program, a plan of eating didn't apply to me, weighing and measuring was just, like, far beyond my head. It was just something that you people did, people that were different than me did. I was just different, and I just came and listened a little bit. So in AWOL, I had to get a sponsor, and the first step was where I really saw that I was powerless over food. Being 330 pounds wasn't enough to show me that I was powerless over food. Not being able to fit in airplane seats wasn't enough to show me that I was powerless over food. Just the other, two weeks ago was my birthday, and I went to Great America, and I could fit in the seats. And... (laughs) I was with a group of people, and I don't think... I, I just wanted to run through the part. I can fit in these seats! I don't care about the, that I'm on a roller coaster, like, risking my life or whatever. That's the, that's the most miraculous part. On my birthday, I can fit in this dress. And <laughs> I, then I went to Raging Waters a couple days later, and I wore a bathing suit. And I wasn't freaked out of my mind. A little bit. You know, people were looking. I imagine people were looking, but it was more about the company and enjoying being there. But what was I getting to? So in doing step one in OA, I got to write down these things and see really concretely what food was costing me. The embarrassment, the shame of being 330 pounds, the constant ridicule from people. People would just come to me on the street and go, you're just too fat. People would yell things at me out of cars. People would say, you're really pretty, but you're just too fat. And when you hear, you experience that, and you get that kind of reaction from the world, it made me very fearful. Very, can I curse? Very fucking angry. Angry at everyone. Everyone. (laughs) And um, the steps show me that I have a part in that, too. It's not just the rest of the world that's, like, you know, making me a victim. I have a part in that, too. So doing the steps, um, there was this, I, I've always had a belief in something bigger than myself, but it just never really applied to me because if God existed, he wouldn't have given me drug addicts and alcoholics for parental figures, a body that was 330 pounds, and living in a world where I felt like everyone hated me, that I was a victim. I don't really feel that way today anymore because I'm growing a relationship and a trust in my higher power. But so when I first came, they said, fake it till you make it. There's something bigger than you. And I solved through step one that I was powerless over food. And fake it till I make it. I, I didn't really know what I was doing. So, and they said, get on your knees and pray. And they said, you're powerless over food. So that was just my prayer. I get on my knees every day for a couple years. And I still do today. I say, God, whatever you are, wherever you are, however you are, I'm powerless over food. Please help me. And I realized that I needed to take each meal step by step. And it was so psychedelic. It was me and the plate of food and the world was just spinning around us. That's what the beginning of abstinence feels like for me. My, I was tearing up every day. My emotions were welling up. I just felt completely insane. So if you're new to abstinence, it's not you. It's crazy. It really is crazy. Everything that we've been eating blows up. It just comes up. And that, that's just what it was like. It was very... Um, very psychedelic, and since then my relationship with higher power has grown. And I, I find um, program an absolute hoot. I'm also in four other programs. I won't mention them, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting to be seasoned. And if I'm lucky, I'll be seasoned for the rest of my life in program. And um, what was I saying? Um, So God please help me and they say in program, make up whatever you want to make up about higher power. Your higher power can be the door, it can be the nature, it can be the sun, it can be the moon. And I like music a lot, so I said, I'm gonna make and I have and and you need to build a friendship with it. I'm gonna make my higher power a flamboyant gay man that likes to dance to disco all the time. (laughs) And I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's what I could relate to. He's just like, every morning, he's just like, come on, we're going to do this. This is great. And I could build a relationship with something like that. I could build a, um, a trust and a friendship in something like that. My higher power isn't that way necessarily today. It's probably something I need to sit and meditate on, a new image. And I got a lot of information from the previous workshop, especially about, sorry for the cross talk, about higher power being like an image of us, and I think that would be really powerful and really inspirational for me just to take our friendship to another level. But, um, yeah, if you believe in God, if you believe in something, you're powerless over food, which means that there might be a power greater than you out there that can help you with food. And make it whatever you want to be. And for me, God has really showed up. I don't know how it, she, he does it, I get a click in my head of common sense that goes, don't eat that, eat that instead. When I wake up in the morning, I get kind of like a a food map of what to do for the day. And that's just completely miraculous that I feel so grateful for that. And I'm glad to be here today because losing 150, 60 pounds is something I could easily take for granted. But being amongst OA people here today and... The freedom of this new body and the freedom of my experiences is just really, really something to be grateful for. No matter what happens today, I will have this experience and be able to remember it. So um, I remember a couple years ago, someone was saying, "I I first I asked people what they'd like to hear from a 100-pound panelist today. And they said, well, body image and i remember i'd hear people say if i'm and which was also said today if i'm eating abstinently my weight and my body image is none of my business if i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing staying abstinent stay abstinent and the right body will show up mm, that's true i definitely have a lot of body image issues and I just started dating, and that I have a lot of loose skin, and that is just like flaring up. Like, what does he think of me? Blah, 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 blah. blah. But it's something that I can get on my knees every day and pray over. And real, I, I like to have this little joke with myself well, would you rather be 130 pounds bigger and be kind of locked in yourself? And it, it, it's like battle scars that, that someone said, it's my wings, I can fly away. <laughs> Sorry, I've got a wild sense of humor. But um, it's not easy. It's not easy, and it's something that's constantly in my mind. How do I look this way? How do I look this way? How is the world perceiving me? How do I feel? Can I fit in that position? But it's definitely something that I can pray over. And if I, I know that yesterday I ate what I said I was going to eat. I have people around me in OA that can tell me whether I'm making proper decisions, and I trust them, and I have to kind of let it go. And in program, I'm, I'm learning each day, and sometimes I forget it, that I am God's child. I was put here for a reason, and things will be okay. When I pray and meditate, that's the message that I get. God doesn't necessarily give me like big messages like, you should apply for this job or invest in this stock. It's just a, an overwhel- an overwhelming sense of being okay and being taken care of and being part of, which is something that I've greatly lacked for most of my life, is I'm in a room full of people, and I'm completely different. No one understands. No one gets it. And everyone hates me. And I don't feel that today. I don't feel that strongly today. It's a program. Progress, not perfection, and it takes time. So, um, yeah, a little... It, it's just it's relieving to um, to just have freedom freedom of body and increasing freedom of mind. And one of the biggest things, so the weight's just a symptom, and life still happens. I still wake up terrified sometimes. I'm terrified to be standing here talking to you all. Terrified to go to work sometimes. I used to be terrified to get in my car and drive. And life still shows up, and I get to. I get to do what I can, which is usually prayer and meditation, and talking to other people and doing the steps for those things. And one thing that comes up a lot, you know, I've heard it said before, when you're in a burning house, don't try to figure out how the fire got started, just get out. (laughs) And I can't, like, I can't be cognizant enough every time I want to pick up a cupcake and go, maybe. Maybe it's because I wasn't emotionally taken care of that I want to eat this cupcake. It doesn't work that way. I just want to eat that cupcake. But my point is, I have feelings, and it's usually when my feelings are out of control, when they're out of whack, which happens a lot, is when the food, the drugs, and the alcohol are looking more appealing, or not being trustworthy, or lying, or feeling isolative, being isolating is more appealing. So what I'm learning in program is to deal with my feelings. And for someone that grew up not knowing what feelings were, in fact, in my family, feelings were a thing that people who had too much time did with their free time. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, someone, someone will upset me, and it's completely miraculous. I have a feelings chair at home. I sit in that chair, and I'm like... I'm going to feel what this feels like in my body. I don't always do that, but I'm learning to do it more. And I'm more willing to be able to do it. Um, It used feelings just to feel like fire. (laughs) Like I was literally just going to combust. And just completely unmanageable. It's kind of like the beginning of abstinence. It's like... You, I, you can't record this, but it's just psychedelic and shaking and just being completely out of control. And it gets easier. It gets shorter, and it gets easier, and it gets more manageable to be able to sit with my feelings and sit with myself. And some of the tools that I use um, that are very beneficial for me in program, I've, as I've discussed earlier, is a growing relationship and a growing t- trust in my higher power. And I have a a, a wicked sense of humor, so I like to make God as crazy as possible. For a while, God used to communicate with me through rap songs. And I I was telling one of my sponsees that the other day. She was like, you are crazy. (laughs) And I kind of am. But my, my, my higher power has a sense of humor, so... And meditation helps us grow that bond more. And every day, if I can look at my progress, first it was just like, God, just handle the food. God, you can have the alcohol now. Okay, I'll give you the drugs. Okay, I'll give you my job. I'll give you a fraction of this relationship. (laughs) And then every day it's like, I'll give you just a little bit more and handle it, and I have never been let down. It's not always worked out the way I wanted to, but I've never been let down, and I feel completely taken care of, and it's just like a friendship with a human being. The more you turn over, the more you trust, the more you get back. Um, writing is, pff, whoa, I thought I was, what is that? You just, what is that? What is up with writing? It's like witchcraft. What? I, I, it's Cause they say it's like the biggest step in the program and you're like, what does that mean? But it's like, you put pen to paper and you can no longer lie. You can no longer deny what's going on for you. And it's clear as day and night. What's going on inside, and if you're lucky, what your part in it is, which gives you choices. Like step four, when I took step four, I got to see I love step four, you get to say everything you don't like. That's what I tell my sponsees. And then you get to see your part in it and then you get to see that you have choices, which I never knew that I had before. And lastly, sponsorship. Sponsorship is great because it helps me get unlocked from myself, it helps me be of service to others, and it keeps me in the program I can't give you lip service if I haven't done it myself or practice it myself. And then God works in miraculous ways. I hear myself say something. I go, maybe I'll go apply that for myself. Maybe I will join DA. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but um, my time is running up. Thank you for uh, listening to me talk. And keep coming back.
0: Thank you, Ifafunke. Funke. Let's keep the um, ask it basket going around, please. Wherever it might be. And um, yeah, let's just move it along. And um, our next speaker is Joe. Hi,
2: hey, everyone. I'm Joe. I'm a compulsive over and under eater. And I don't know how I'm going to follow that, but um... <laughs> um So I've been back um, in program um, a little over 16 years at this point. I have 16 years of abstinence, and it took me eight years to get there. Um, I came in and out of program, and uh, I didn't want to do the steps. I didn't want to have a sponsor. I had sponsors, but I didn't call them. I walked all over them. I'll, you know, I picked people who would not sponsor me, or you know I I, created, I sponsored myself for a while, and I had a lot of binge foods in my food plan that comforted me during the weekends, and um, I attracted people who were crazy because I was crazy and um, I did not progress. I went to a lot of meetings and met a lot of great people, and the seed was planted. Um, and I, it took me a long time to listen to how it works, and what everyone said, and to look at the people who had what I wanted in that glow. And for me, as a century person, I'm 135, 140 pounds from my top weight. It fluctuates a little bit. And the people who had what I wanted... Because all I could see in the beginning was just weight. Because all I had... Before program, all I had... um, My value was my body. What I looked like. What my body was. And when I came in... um, As a gay man, when I came in... was just when... um, It wasn't just good enough to be thin as a gay man. Then you had to be fit. It was when... Marky Mark started doing underwear ads, and that became our ideal and he became my higher power and he became what I compared myself to i wasn 't that um, my young younger gay years, I was obese um, and you know I started pretty young as overeating. It went from husky to chubby to fat to morbidly obese. I had a period of anorexia in high school and exercise bulimia where I was exercising hours a day and maintaining a straight A, um, straight A's and miserable and this weight and starving myself to be at this weight. And I had no tools but food. And by the time I graduated high school and went into college, I was 200, 230, 265, 285, and you know my life was not lived. Um, and the topic, we will see how our experience can benefit others. All of your experiences, my sponsors' experiences, people in program, helped me to live my life. And my life before was the food and what my life was going to be like once I got to 200 pounds, which was the weight I could never get to, and um, there are a lot of reasons. And so some of the things that I thought of um, when I got to 200 pounds was, there was a club in Philadelphia, that's where I started program, and once I got to that weight and I went into the club, all these guys who didn't want me would be chasing me. And I'd have relationships with no issues. I would have no fights with my partner. I would have – relate my relationship would be constant sex. I would get jobs easily. Um, there was a bunch of fantasies about – and they were, like, 12-year-old fantasies, and that's probably where in the 12 and 12 it says where we make that, that step and we can't go back as compulsive overeaters. And, you know, between having a sponsor – working the steps, because still a lot of my reactions are of a 12-year-old. Maybe a little bit longer, you know, a little more mature than that at this point, because I have a few years of abstinence under my belt. But still, like, there are some things like, especially when I write my 10 steps, where, oh my God, this is never going to change, or I'm always going to be like this. And, you know from. That was the stuff I would eat over, and that was the stuff I was, you know, a century person over. Um, And my sponsor, working the steps, having a concept of a higher power, doing the basic things that people told me for eight years worked for them and I did not want to try, helped me to live a life each day and not have to overeat. And people taught me how to be in a normal sized body and live. And that's a totally, it was a scary scary thing when it happened. It It took a lot of step work. It took a lot of speaking to people, my sponsor, people in meetings and hearing experiences because there was a reason why I was 300 pounds. There was a reason why I was 265 pounds. I was afraid to be in relationships. I wanted, that is my excuse that if someone left me, it was my weight. If I didn't get the job, it was my weight. Um, and then when that was taken away, I felt naked. And then it started, like the abstinence, every day it started getting a little bit easier and a little bit easier. And um, there was a period, then I had to learn to start the date. And um, also when the first speaker we was speaking, I was thinking about like, At first, like, losing weight as a century person was almost like a drug. And I remember the first time I went into Abercrombie, and I could squeeze into their smallest, I mean, their largest pair of jeans, and I was, like, freaked out, and I spun around the room. And my friends were there from program because that could have easily been something that I just, you know, chose to eat over. And, um... And then I was lucky enough to have a sponsor that was, you know, helped me not just with that, but with the steps. Um, And I chose a sponsor who – he wasn't a century person because there wasn't a lot of century people had um, when I started in Philadelphia. But he had lost a significant amount of weight, and he could call me on my shit um, because – He there's we're a different breed, we can lie. I used to lie about you know, this was my food plan, and it's less than I eat now. And it, I would tell people that was my food plan, and I was you know, 260 pounds, and it's like it doesn't work. I should have been losing probably like 20 pounds a month at that point at that age. Um, but I think it's important to have a sponsor that has some of the same experiences just because. Not only can they call us on our stuff and know when we might be lying or, you know, saying white lies, but also have the experience of this is how I experienced it. It was like this. It was scary to to get to this. When I got to this point, like when I was at 201 pounds and I got weighed, I was scared shitless and I almost left the rooms. And people, a century person, said, I need to give back. And, and I've told this story a million times, but I was scared of her. She was in AA also, and she was kind of tough. And, you know, she saved my ass because, you know, I came, I started going, doing service and going to meetings and still showing up because I was afraid of her. And she (laughs) saved my ass. And, um, I needed to get past that point because a lot of people, I needed to adjust my food plan to keep losing weight. Um, And I needed to work through those fears and then, you know, experience life. Like, I realized that not everybody wanted to go out with me when I was at a normal weight. And people explained, well, and and at first it was I want them to go out with me and how do I get them to go out with me again? And then people in program taught me about, do I want to go out with them? Do they deserve to go out with me? And there was a woman at, a, at a, one of my home groups in Philadelphia who was talking about dating. And she's like, she might go out with a guy once, maybe twice. And if he wasn't right, she'd be like, next. And I was like, that was foreign to me. It was sort of like, I come from... For my family, like, you grab someone and you try and make it work. And if you're miserable, you just bitch about it to everybody. <laughs> and you eat over it. And people are like, no, you, you learn what you want. And I would hang out with people who my friends didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what I wanted. I would just go out with them if I wasn't binging. And I learned what I wanted. And I learned um, who I wanted to date. And I learned what my values were sexually, and, you know, I wanted to try out the, the new body. And then there was that, oh, my God, there was all that posing and stuff. like Because I'm a century person. I do not have Mark and Mark six-packs. You know, there's still stuff, you know, flab and stuff like that. And how much time do I have left still? Okay. Um, and going through being uncomfortable having sex and learning how to have sex with people... And learning how to date and how to talk on dates and, you know, going out with people from program and talking helped me to sort of do that. And bookending dates and learning to be in relationships. And the relationship I'm in now, I've been in a couple. I've learned to be in relationship from people in program. I broke up with someone. I was in a five-year relationship in D.C., I learned how to do that from people and experience a breakup and cry at work and fall apart and look like a mess and not overeat and not have to be on, you know, not have to gain 50 pounds. And that's not the family I come from. My family gains, either gains a significant amount of weight in breakup, and then we lose a lot of weight because we need a certain body to, to catch another man, and then we gain weight again. Um, And I didn't have to do that. And um, the relationship I'm in today, I would have never been in without people from program because there was still, even after a bunch of years of absence, we've been together about eight years now, and I felt like he was out of my league and all of this stuff, it brought up a whole bunch of insecurities. And people from program, you know, Encouraged me, and that's like a big message of having the fellowship is people encourage you that you can because my disease still likes to say you can't you can't do it, it's impossible. Why try? Just stay in bed and sleep on a Saturday, you know, just do that, and you know people in program encourage me sometimes it's the small things, getting out of bed, getting a shower, brushing my teeth, and brushing my teeth still is an issue sometimes. Um, to bigger things like starting my own business and trying that, and you know, getting clients and not getting clients, firing clients, going through economic insecurity fears in a ten step, and having them lift. Um, moving to um, my first trip in abstinence. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going all over the place. But my first trip in abstinence were were with people, as we would say in Philadelphia, down the shore. Um, We went down the shore, um, and that helped me see that I could be abstinent in that. And then I was able to go to Italy and be abstinent, and I went to meetings there to being able to move. I moved for almost two years to Mexico, and which was, you know, everybody in my family were like, oh, my God, you're going to be abducted, you're going to be killed, you're going to be shot, Um, to the fears of getting there and program wasn't really there, so starting program there and starting meetings to there's a whole bunch of foods I've never had and seeing, um, you know, churros and knowing that I can't eat them Um, and being okay with that. Um, and, you know, it brought up a whole bunch of other growth opportunities around body image also. And being there, and after the first year, uh, my partner and I took a break. Well, he took a break. I was part of it. And being able to fall apart and talk with people and program and not have to overeat, not gain weight, not have to lose weight, not have to change my food plan and experience it. And, um, cause of course my first reaction was like, Oh my God, I'm in a foreign country. I'm going to fall apart. I need to go back to the United States. Oh my God, it's horrible. Like it was all like this 12 year old stuff. And, you know, I've lived there for a year of my life. I understood the language for the most part. I spoke it and, it was a growth experience for both of us, and it strengthened everything, um, but it would not have been that way if I had picked up, and because in the past, before program, I was super needy, controlling. You know, I was also sweet, but I was super jealous, envious, and that's not fun to be around, um, A compulsive overeater in their – me as a compulsive eater in my disease was not a fun partner or boyfriend to be with. Um, And, you know, people from program, talking to them, doing meetings, doing Skype meetings, I was able to live through that. And then, you know, I guess live through that, you know, and grow from it. And then, you know, have the experience of coming back here and, um, you know, doing a whole bunch, like starting a business, considering whether I want children, don't want children, want to get married, don't want to get married, all of that life stuff. And they're all things that I didn't want to deal with because I wanted my life as like a 12-year-old where everything is happy. And I don't have to make any big decisions. And... um, you know, program helps me to get through that, and sometimes I procrastinate it, and so, and a lot of times I don't do it perfectly, um, but life, my life now, you know, I always, my disease wants to tell me it's so hard. It's so hard to have a, a food plan and measure, especially like breakfast, measure one tablespoon of the thing that I generally have like five or six times a week, um, and I might spin about that for about ten minutes and measuring it takes what five seconds ten seconds um, but I'm not fixed at this point, so that's why I have to keep coming back. I have a sponsor, I have an um, amazing sponsee. i' I have people who are drawn to me who are a lot like I was, and just watching them grow and Love themselves and grow in this program. It's just amazing. And from being a compulsive liar before program, to have somebody give you their first step, their fourth step is just crazy. That they trust me that I'm not going to tell anyone, and I don't. And um, just really grateful for the fellowship part of this program. Um, You know, there's the things I do on a daily basis. I wake up, I do a ten step most days. I meditate and pray every day, and in the beginning, meditation was the hardest thing to do. Like, I come from a a background, um, a religious background, and then I sort of pushed that away because of a lot of the gay messages, and in step two, I was able to find a concept of a higher power that sort of worked for me, and it's changed a lot over the years, But the meditation, like my sponsor would have me start with just two minutes, you know, one or two minutes. And then my sponsor, who I have here when I moved to California, she had me go to her meditation teacher. And he's like, I'd like you to meditate 20 minutes a day, twice a day. And I was like, what the? (laughs) There's no way I can't do that. And he's like, sometimes you'll love it. He's like, it'll be like a vacation. Sometimes you'll hate it. Sometimes you won't feel anything. And then he explained, like the thoughts in your head could be like your tense up, like your your character defects or your fears lifting. And it helped me a lot with meditation. I've tried a lot of different methods of it, and you know, some days I meditate for twenty minutes and I don't want to stop, and it's crazy. Um, from you know, two minutes being, oh my god, if I have to sit here for two minutes, I'm gonna go crazy. Um, so I think it's just sort of like the message that. You know, I started very small in program with a basic food plan, being honest about my weight with my sponsor, having a sponsor, doing my best with the steps. To day by day, it just got progressively easier. Um, from just trying what you people said worked, and not trying to be smarter or thinking that I'd come in, lose 60 pounds, get a boyfriend, and get out, or you know, maybe I worked the steps once through tw- step 12 and then I'd leave because then I'd learn enough and then I wouldn't need it. And my experience sh- showed me as a relapse survivor that's not the case. And um, I'm really grateful for that. Thanks for letting me show today.
0: Thank you, Joe. Now we'd like to have Andrea come up.
3: Hi, I'm Andrea. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Andrea. And um, I have some pictures going around. I'm, I'm really glad to be here today. I'm glad to be speaking about this. And um, I've been in programs somewhere around 28 to 30 years. And um, by the grace of God, I'm maintaining a 120 to 130 pound weight loss. Um, and I want you to know there is perfection. I never left. So I did that perfectly, and today I don't beat myself up no matter what. I will preface that this is my story. Um, people said, well, What are you going to say? It says, How my experience, that, that hopefully my experience will help you, you know, and um, all I have is my experience. So that's what I'm going to tell you. Now, it's hard to do these many years in this short a time, but I'm not going to talk fast. I'm just going to see what God has in store for me today to say. Um, I was, the first time I was put on a diet and sent to a therapist was at age four. And um, it never occurred to them that something else might be going on. So I have been a compulsive overeater my whole life, and guess what? I still am. You know, the bad news is that it never, ever goes away. I am still a compulsive overeater. I get a reprieve, but I don't get a cure here. Um, I came in. Um, I, the, we were on step one the meeting was across the street from my house and it was 10.30 on Saturday and I had no excuse I worked evenings so I couldn't go to early meetings you know I had a million reasons but it was there and it had my name on it and I walked in the rooms and I remember the first speaker and um, I was walking up the steps and somebody said are you looking for the meeting and I was totally insulted you know (laughs) you know and um, I was in um, – my, my routine at that time was um, those overalls that the workmen wore, you know, because it had room for all their tools and stuff, so I could just keep expanding. And then I had what I affectionately called the trash compactor, which was one of those skin leotards that just sort of, I thought, kept it together. But um, anyway, they asked me if I was going to that meeting, and there you have it. So um, I um, won't try to impress you with what I ate or tell you that I was out of control because everybody knows what it was like. And I want to say that when I came in, I thought because I wore my disease, the the last time I weighed myself, I was 293 pounds, and I had been on a diet. And I went off that diet, and so I say I was somewhere around 300. But I used to think that I was so different because everybody could comment. And you know what? The longer I'm here, the more I know that the disease is the disease, and it does not matter if you're anor- it What? How it manifests? We're crazy around food. We use, I use food for something other than what it's intended for. And um, my least favorite question is, what do you eat? Because people, if, if, if people who come in and they go, I want what you have, what do you eat? I say, I'm not going to tell you because if I tell you what I eat, you'll leave. I would not eat today. I would not eat then what I eat today. And I don't know what I'm eating tomorrow. I, know what I'm, I more know what I'm not eating tomorrow. So, um, how did I get. From there to here. Um, You know, I came in, and I was proud that I could give you a look that kind of said, don't F with me, and you would shut up. (laughs) I thought this was a good thing, you know? And um, people would tell me, you were really scary, you know? (laughs) And I thought that was kind of good, too, you know? I don't think that anymore, but that's what I thought, you know? And I thought um, uh, my life was okay, except for I was fat. And the truth was, I thought I was big, bad, bad and and um, I could do handle anything, you know. And I became an ICU nurse, and you know, I I took I, I saved lives. I did all kinds of stuff. It it worked with my personality. That was what it was like when I came in. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I'll tell you one thing. I used to go to work. I would buy a box of cookies. I'd buy two or three boxes of cookies. I'd eat one on the way, and I'd say, what are we going to have? You know, and, you know, we, we'd all eat them together, and then I would have to buy some on the way home. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about food in terms of what I ate. How I got here is... I, I, I lied, cheated, steal, stole in this program, you know. And I just kept coming back. And what I believe today has been the I believe today, and it's as true as when I came in, that the answers are in the steps and in using the tools. Um, I am on step one so many times in, in a day. But it's not just about food. I thought it was about food, but it's about everything. You know, and I have to do the first three steps almost daily. Probably daily a few times. Um, and I do, and when people, you know, I, I've, I've been living this way for a long time, and people who meet me go, you're so good. You have so much willpower. How did you do it? And I say, it was an act of God. And they say, and they laugh, but that's what I believe: that everything I do today—and I don't consider myself religious, I don't Bible thump, I don't anything—but there was a spiritual solution. That emptiness that I was trying to fill with that hordes of food is only filled by my higher power. Do I remember that all the time? I'd have to say, no, I don't remember that. But what I do know is that I come back to that very quickly. And I tell on myself. Whether it be my character defects acting up, my food, or whatever. So, the steps. Where do we start? We start at step one. I'm powerless. I'm every bit as powerless today as when I came in. The only difference is, is I have all the other steps. And I have the tools and I do consider it a tool chest now I don't carry them in my overalls, but I've got my tools with me and I know that there's always one I, I try to use a lot of them every day um, I, I don't know you know um, it, it's really hard to say how does one get a spiritual experience you know I know it's not about um, Going to a you know, going somewhere and praying in in a, in a group, necessarily in the religious sense, but I guess the spiritual experience is the one thing I always come back to, and um, I lose faith on a daily basis, you know, and um, I went to a therapist once and she told me a story about. Um, she said she went to a guru or somebody in India and said, and he told this story. and He said that I want to be like you. I want to always be centered. I want to always be mellowed. I want to always be plugged into to the bigger picture and what, what I should be doing. And he said, I don't I, don't, I don't, I want you to know that I don't, um, it's not that I'm always centered, it's just that I don't, I know how to get back very quickly. And so nobody notices that I fall. And that's, what, that, that's how my life is. Um, as a result of this program, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. And um, the way it happened was just praying for the next right thing, coming here coming into these meetings, listening to you. You guys are great teachers. You're also great barometers for my spiritual fitness because if everybody's stupid and everybody's doing it wrong, you know, I'm not doing too well. That and behind a wheel of a car, I'm really good behind there when I'm, when I'm like, you know, you guys know it. You guys know it, you know. Um, so, I think that the 10th and 11th and 12th are the maintenance steps. I know that. And um, I thought that I'd come in here and I'd get thin, and I'd leave. And I'm telling you, if I knew it was going to take this long, I would have never walked through these doors, you know. And um, now, I think it, now I think it's the good news. The good news is that we, I always have a place that I can tell my truth. I always, always am part of something. I was never part of anything. I was terminally an outsider. And I believe that there is a seat for everyone in these rooms. Um, when I came in, I early on got involved with the 12-step within, which is helping the people who the people within these rooms who still suffer. Because when I came here many years ago, it was like the disease, you know, oh, it's contagious. We're going to get that. And there was no place for us to tell our truth. And um, if I can't tell my truth here, I don't know where else I could, you know. And so... um, I show up, I do a lot of things. I guess i want I can talk about what I do for my program today, and I do more today than I did when I first came in because I realize the payoff and because i 'm retired, so I have more time so um it, it's um that that's that's a blessing. but I go to meetings, I go to three to four meetings a week and um I like it. I do do a lot of 7 a.m. ones. And for a person that worked 3 to 11.30 at night, you know, I never thought I'd be a morning person. But I go to I go to meetings, and I go there because this is my family. I feel like I, I'm not married. I didn't get married and have a bunch of kids and find the man or woman of my dreams. That's not my story, you know. Um, but I, I come and I have a family there, you know, that... That um, I'm really glad to see, and I miss if I don't see them. I I um, have a sponsor, and I sponsor. I write my food down. I haven't always written my food down, and it, just because I write it doesn't mean I always follow it. But I am honest <coughs> and accountable, and it, so I write write to my sponsor, kind of a tenth step, and um, my food every every evening what I'm going to do for the next day and tell her any exceptions I had you know previously and um, I read literature I, going to a meeting is great because you get literature you get fellowship you get telephone numbers you get to a meeting you know um, a lot of things happens at a meeting that you can check off on your list um, I think my weakest tool is probably writing, because I know it all, you know, and then <laughs> I'm, I'm reminded that I don't know it all. And, uh, but it seems like my last resort. Um, it's hard for me. Um, and without fail, it helps. And what I'm doing right now is, there's a book called The Voices of Recovery, and they just came out with the workbook, and I bought it a long time, I bought it when it first came out, but I realize that you can't just buy it; you got to use it. So that—that's that I'm I'm in transition now. I'm I just started reading the thought for the day and um, writing about it, and it's a spiritual act. It really helps me connect with my higher power. I feel like I'm I, I am. Um, is it spoken to? They speak. It speaks to me. You know, I hear what I need to hear. I could not do uh, when I when I came in here. I I was could do everything alone, and I was quite independent, and I was quite proud of it. And I had a few friends, which I later learned were kind of hostages, but um, and I had to make a lot of amends because. And I also had a lot of rules of engagement. The wars got nothing on me, you know. And what I realized with those rules of engagement. It was my way or the highway. And um, so I went through people, and they were very loyal to me, and then I, some, I somehow lost them. And I think besides the physical recovery, which I can't say isn't anything, because I was convinced I would be dead by 40, and I'm 64 right now, and um, taking advantage of all my senior discounts and whatnot, but um, (laughs) uh, I was sure I was going to die and now I know I'm not and I think I'm going to live a very long time and I I think about what's God's will, what's my will. I think it's very confusing sometimes and um, I was. I went. Just went. Got back from Kauai. I was there for a month, and I came home. And life. Um, I kept. I just kept running into. I had my big checklist that I was going to come back and transition well this time. Transition is kind of hard for me, so I went through this whole list and I was doing all these things, and then I get a ticket, you know. And then my computer breaks down. And blah blah. blah you know, life happens. And I, and I heard myself saying, it's not going, things aren't going my way. Why isn't this working? And there was a voice of recovery. So it didn't have to take too long. And it said, it's not supposed to go your way. It's supposed to go God's way. You know, and, I, and that got me back to praying. And then I kept hearing about the seventh step, Humility. And humility, we practice humility so we can be closer to God. That's what it said. You know, um, I thought I practiced humility so I could appear nicer, but it seems that I'm supposed to um, get closer to God. So I, um, And I started, as soon as that voice said, God's in control, not you, as soon as that reminder came, and, of course, I took back my will very quickly. You know, um, It didn't take long for me to come back from Kauai and take it back. And that happens a lot. But like I said, like that guru in India, I come back. And I, ha- I could not do this without the wonderful friends and without this fellowship because left to my – my, still in my own head – I've got a "let's make a deal" mind, and you know, and I got so many deals going at once when I don't want to do what I don't want to do. But I have, I have people that that know me. I've let them see me, and I see them, and it's not just in these rooms; it's all around. So I guess I grew up here. I learned that I had to accept life on life's terms, and. Um, I have to say that I still eat foods that aren't on my food plan in amounts and it hasn't been the end of me and it hasn't been the beginning of anything. It is a barometer and I have to be honest about it. And um, I worry about saying that sometimes because you're going to think, oh my God, haven't got it yet but this is my story. And I'm I want to be me. I don't want to be you. I don't, I don't compare my insides to your, out, your. at the outer sides of you, of what looks like you've got. I have enough today. I am enough today. And it's all because of this program. I am sure I would have been dead. And um, I got a lot of life left in me, so um, you're going to see me around, and thank you.
0: to the panelists and we um, now have the ask it basket to um, to go through and we close <clears throat> Let me make sure I have that right and uh, we close at 11:45 uh, so we have about 28 minutes for the ask it basket and um, there's one here for Joe some of these are specific to, one of the speakers and I'll go ahead and start this and then um, I'll read it because we are recording it and then if you each panelist could come up and speak into the mic to answer. Thank you. So this is a question for Joe. Do you have a method of weighing and or measuring your food?
2: Um. So basically, I have a food plan that's from a sports nutritionist. My first one came out of a book that was very basic. And because I knew myself as a compulsive overeater, a century person, I needed boundaries around my food. So I weighed and measured from the beginning when I started um, really being abstinent. And then um, so I weigh the stuff like proteins – Fats, carbs, um, vegetables, I don't because, if anything, I have trouble eating enough of them and then just watching for sizes with fruits and stuff. So I have portions and stuff from because I, um, a couple of years ago I started running, um, which I never thought I could do as being formerly 300 pounds. So the sports nutritionist gives me different plans based on what I'm doing. So, so I use spoon, scale... That sort of
0: thing. These are just amazing questions. Um, for anyone on the panel, can you share any thoughts on aging with this disease, i.e., any regrets over time being lost in the food?
3: Okay, I don't regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. I comprehend the word supremacy and I know peace. You know, I do not regret it. You know, um, I am just so happy when I see somebody young come in here. You know, but it took me a long time to get to that. But now I know that, you know, it was God's plan. And um, so I really don't, I don't regret it. And um How could I regret it? Because I would have been dead for 24 years the way I was going, approximately.
0: And again, uh, for anyone on the panel, the more weight I lose, the more fear I feel. I found strategies to deal with it. Did you feel this fear? And if so, how did you deal with it?
2: I am Joe McCapulso, a reader. Um, so, I definitely, at first it was, when I first lost um, about 50 pounds, it was like so exciting. And then, when I got below 200 pounds, it started getting scary. And um, when I got to the weight that my doctors wanted me at, I was scared. It, I felt naked for about six months, like raw naked. Um and like I was saying before, I needed to, you know, talk to my sponsor about it um because he had the same experience. And then a lot of my friends were women in programs, so they talked about their experience and I wrote about it, I had to pray about it, um and you know, just act as if I could go outside and stuff like like have people see me and stuff. And after a while, like the food lifting, that lifted too. And um, and then sometimes it didn't feel real. Like I'd look in the mirror I'd look walking down the street in, in glass and not believe that that was the same person or people not recognize me. Um, so it took a lot of adjustment. And it took, a you know, the first six months were where a lot of the adjustment was. And then there was adjustments throughout probably the next year or so. And there's still some times where I'll see, like, wicker furniture or, like, some really, like, chair that doesn't look like it would hold much. And there's, like, a part of me that was, like, can I sit in it because, you know, I was the type of person that would break or almost break chairs. So um, it took some time.
0: And another question for the whole panel. How do you deal with the anger you feel now that the world treats you differently based on what you look like?
1: The anger I feel, I never really thought about that, but there is a difference. For me, I get a whole lot more propositions. Um, a whole lot more people that are romantically interested in me. And it's kind of like, it it could be, I I think I probably put that on my fourth step before my resentment list. And just, you know, I've been guilty of treating people a certain way or acting or behaving a certain way. And unfortunately, in the society we live in, being overweight, people do ridicule, ridicule us and look down on us. So, what does it say in the big book about treating others as treating someone as we treat, treat a sick friend? So you could say, I, I could say that people that look down on pe- people that are overweight are sick and just don't know any better. So it's kind of having compassion towards other people that look down on us. And I, I can't really say I'm anger. Unfortunately, I get kind of like a kick out of it. <laughs> little power like someone was saying earlier you're all gonna want to date me (laughs) which that didn't happen but um (laughs) i feel more gratitude and when i do my fourth step like i said i can see a a lot of my character defects and giving other people kind of a break because we're all we're all in this together and i've got issues i've got my ways of looking at the world and other people have issues in their way of looking at the world that aren't very conducive to all our well-beings. Thanks.
0: And another question to everyone, um, anyone who wants to take this one. How do you deal with body dysmorphia? When you were 100 pounds, did you see yourself as smaller? When you reached goal weight, did you see yourself as 100-plus pounds? How did you learn to feel beautiful, handsome, sexy?
1: Okay, again, compulsive overeater. I, listening, being here today, I definitely have body dysmorphia, and that's the perfect way of saying it. When I was 330 pounds, I thought I was the tiniest, sexiest thing in the world, and now I feel like the hugest person in the room. So that's definitely something that's going on in my head, and it gets a little bit worse when, I have, um, when I'm spiritually or physically or emotionally um, not doing very well. But feeling sexy in my skin, one thing that's helped me a lot, It's a certain, it's exercise, because I, listening to you all, I realize that I live mostly in my head and not in my body and in my heart, and exercise puts me in my body and lets me see what my body can do for me and makes me way more appreciative of it. And um, prayer, if I was powerless at 330 pounds, I'm powerless now at 180 pounds, and I'm definitely just listening to you all going to be going home and praying now for God's guidance and help in being appreciative of my body. And maybe not even that specific, just being able to be serene in my body. Because I definitely deal with that a lot. On a, it, it, It's like a constant running play in the back of my head. So thank you all for helping me be aware of my own body dysmorphia and that I do have a higher power that can help me with that.
2: I think the, the body dysmorphia has changed over time and has gotten better, but there's still times um, that I feel that way, that I still feel like, oh, my God, I'm 300 pounds. Or, so some things that help me are wearing clothes that are, are the right size and I like, um, the steps, prayer, um, affirmations helped me tremendously and I've been doing them for years now and um so I want to share some of them, I'll probably be embarrassed, but like some of them are I'm good looking, I'm hot, I have a great ass I have a great <laughs> body and you know they over time, they were hard in the beginning and over time they helped and then um, people taught me about comparing and despairing and someone taught me especially when I would be like at a beach with other gay men or um, gay pride wherever Like, there's a lot of people who are like underwear and stuff like that um, that thank you God or even at the gym or in yoga or whatever um, thank you God for that person who is handsome hot whatever the, the thing is and thank you for making me that way too and sort of like putting us in the same thing that we're all, we're all hot. We're all gorgeous. We're all whatever you want to say, beautiful. And um, it's helped me tremendously. And, you know, prayer definitely has. And when I was in Mexico, I had another shot of that where I was running, and I was dying because it was so hot and so humid, and I had to start running shirtless at some points. And people from program helped me to do that because I still have a little bit of loose skin and stuff like that and affirmations, praying to my higher power, and then walking through that because it was my judgment of myself that I was, and people teaching me to look at the opposite, like I used to be 300 pounds and I can run now and I can walk and it's amazing um, what I can do with my body and looking at the positives, doing gratitude list about my body and stuff, just help change things. And help me do that and feel comfortable in my skin doing that. And that was tough, but I got past it. Um, It's not like 100% like perfect, but it's improved a lot. So thanks.
0: And here are a couple of questions they are related. And um, these were the questions I asked when I came through the door. Um, the first one is how to have hope when there is so much weight to lose, sort of related to give us hope that one day I will be willing. How did that happen for you?
3: Slowly over time. Um, I have lots of hope today but when I fir- and when I first came in I guess that in spite of me I saw I could relate to people. I didn't want to there's a there's a point in me who says I'm very different from everybody else, but something in me and I think this was God's gift that I saw that these were people like me and and century meetings were helpful then and century people were helpful then, you know, and um I guess if it can happen to for them, then I believed it could happen for me, and when I would get despairing, I would talk to people who 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 had who shared of their hope, and they told me they weren't always that way, you know um so that's why I think this is the we fellowship, and um I had been on more diets than I can even shake you know starting at age four, so um, I had failed a lot. And I think I was very desperate. You know, I, I believe that this was, this, that this had to work. So,
0: And another question for anyone on the panel. In what ways have you asked or had higher power help with your physical recovery?
1: Ifa Funke, compulsive overeater. Um, So, physical recovery, the food was making me fat. And what I directly did was I'd get down on my knees every day, and I've heard it say that we get on our knees when we're praying to show humility, like lowering ourselves to our higher power. So I'd get down on my knees, and I still do, and I go, God, I'm powerless over food, I'm powerless over so-and-so, please help me. And... I talked a little bit about exercise also because exercise for me is good for my my brain chemistry. It keeps me from depression and anxiety, and it helps me get back in my body. So I don't want to exercise through it at all. <laughs> And uh, I, I've I used to exercise pretty intensely, and I stopped, and I, I noticed myself getting kind of sluggish, and like, oh my God, I'm getting weight, blah blah blah. So I was meditating on it the other day, and God told me you need to exercise thirty minutes a, thirty minutes three times a week, so I can pray for the willingness to do that. I can plan, just like I make a food plan. And what I'm finding is, like, it's not just a food plan. There are a lot of other areas that I need to plan for in my life, such as exercise and make time for that in my day. So asking for help with the food, ask for help, and you shall receive, and asking for help for me f- with exercising. Thanks.
0: Also, for anyone on the uh, panel, how do you come back from a binge and program, I'm afraid to be honest?
3: I um, haven't had a binge in a long time, but I have definitely gone off. And I think that um, I just, I don't beat myself up. You know, if shame, guilt, and secrets would have gotten me thin and helped me, I would have been Twiggy, when I, you know, when I came in. And... Um, if I sh- and it starts with me being compassionate with my- compassionate with myself, it's not really a moral issue. Somebody who I really didn't like in program used to say, um, "When I walk down the street and I see a compulsive overeater and they're eating donuts, I'm not surprised. The miracle is is when we're not." And so I guess the answer is compassion, you know, and that. I, it, I'm i not bad or good. And when people tell me I was so good today or I was so bad today, I don't think of it in that way. I'm, I'm a compulsive overeater in recovery, and this is what I did today with my food. And I think it's a continuum. And when I look at it that way, you know, it, what's next? Not what I did, but I have to be honest. I have to be honest. And... Um, I say don't, don't hang out with people that are going to shame you and guilt you. That's what worked for me.
0: Another question for the panel. What helps you to be in a sane relationship now compared to when you were in the food
2: Being abstinent is the the biggest thing, having, doing 10 steps, especially on the weekends when we see each other more than we do during the week. And I have a sponsor. My sponsor here um, is married, has been in a relationship with her husband and has a child. And having someone with that experience and just talking with people, like doing a 10-step on a regular basis with prayer meditation helps me to sort of not be as crazy in my relationship. And there's some days where I'll fight over the stupidest stuff. I get the pause now like I did with the food. And sometimes I still, you know, people tell me, you know, do you want to be right or happy? And I, most of the time, 90% follow that. And then there's just some times where I just want to be right and I just... um, And, you know, I'm not perfect in that, but when I was in the food, I was a crazy person, and all I could do was get away with the food, get my partner out, think of ways that I could binge or make him binge. Um, And I think if, if I'm taking care of myself more, I'm more apt to be a little saner and better in a relationship with somebody else.
0: And we have a question for Ifa Funke, related also to another question. I'll read them both. How did you go from hearing the negative comments from others to keep going when you first started? How did you keep the momentum? Uh, The other question related is, uh, talk about how you deal with the intense urges to eat, especially in early abstinence. feels like I'll never be able to stay on a weight-losing good plan for more than a few weeks.
1: So the first was, how do I how did I um stay positive with the negative? And boy, oh boy, I was completely struck by God to be in this program. Um, that might not be a good enough answer for a lot of people, but my, the first time I found OA, I was probably drunk, eating concoctions, and something just struck in my mind to look for a program that I've never heard of called OA Online. And I went to my first meeting the next day. And it was a meeting for anorexics and bulimics. And here I am in a room full of people that are about a a lot thinner than I was. And I do not like being in a room with thin people. (laughs) Because my head... and And can you imagine? I'm in a room with thin people. And I feel at home for the first time. And that is what keeps me coming back is... You experience in OA the first time honesty and love from other people. And in you know, the, the normal, the outside world, we don't always say like what we're feeling in our hearts and what's going on in our heads. And in this program, people get real. So that, that kept me coming back. And the second question was? so when I talk to sponsees what I tell them is imagine you're learning a language for the first time you're not going to beat yourself up for not getting it immediately like I'm not going to start taking Spanish today and expect that I'm going to understand how to speak Spanish tomorrow and imagine that you're teaching someone else how to speak English which a lot of us speak, all of us speak so and I I, I, so having that kind of I'm not going to I have to be patient and very slow with myself and treat yourself like you're your own cheerleader and you're, you're learning something completely new for the first time and you're cheering yourself on. And that's not necessarily saying that you're going to have the willpower because God supplies us with the will to do what we do in OA, but that every every day I'm going to give it my best, every meal I'm going to give it my best, and have a sense of humor. <laughs> Honestly, have a sense of humor. For me, when I first got abstinent, every meal was just, like I said earlier, was psychedelic. It was like technicolor because I, I, I've never had to s- sit with a meal and eat, not necessarily intentionally, but know that there was a beginning and an end. Because for me, in compulsive overeating, the meals just are all around the clock. It's like breathing. I'm not thinking about it. It's compulsive it just it, it, it starts from my core and it just keeps going on and on. So being your own cheerleader, having a sense of humor about it, and act like you tell yourself you're literally learning a new skill. And you wouldn't beat someone else up for learning a new skill that they haven't learned before. And it's gonna be very slow, but it does get easier and it does get better. Thanks.
0: Our, our last question uh, before we wrap up, How, what do you do when voices say you're not blank enough, fill in the blank? What do you do when those flare up?
3: If I'm smart, I call a friend that loves me, you know, because i um, those are old voices. Mind is, I'm the loneliest person in the world, and I have no friends. But we all have our tapes, you know. And um, so, again, the we program. And this doesn't necessarily mean somebody in, pro- in program. I have to say there are a lot of people today that remind me that I'm okay the way I am. And I have that because I give that to a lot of people, too. And I do believe we're all okay the way we are. You know, we're perfect. We're perfect. And um, so um, I pick kind people, and I try to be a kind person.
0: So it's uh, now time to close the session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session. Let's uh, please uh, stand up and join hands. We can make a circle. I put my hand in yours.